Hello, how the tech are you? This is our weekly tech show on Echoplex Media. I skipped any funny joke after the intro, just, just because. But this is our tech show. We talk about tech stuff. We talk about science stuff. I've got a lot of science to talk about, but that's okay, because my two co-hosts, I think, have all tech stuff to, to talk about. So it's all balancing out. But uh, what I got going today is I got, a, I got a couple updates. I got an update on monkeypox, and I got an update on the summer COVID boosters. And for my last topic, I simply called it scientists create nightmare fuel. That's going to be an interesting one. So the guy in the pink mic, what do you got for us? How's it going? My name is HK Perrin, and I am a software engineer, so I do uh, mostly software engineering news. Uh, this week, I don't have a news item, but I'm going to explain uh, tracking cookies and uh, something that a lot of people know of tracking cookies and something that not a whole lot of people know about tracking e-tags. And I'm going to explain how they track what you do across the internet and how you can protect yourself from being tracked by these big corporations. Cool. And I'm uh, Dave. I'm the producer of this and many shows. And as you can see, my lighting is fantastic. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, studio lighting today. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> what uh, We have uh, Elon Musk challenges Twitter CEO Parag, Parag Agrawal to a debate instead of, he thinks maybe he can do that instead of a court case. We've had a lot of interesting court case news around here, just network wide. And then also, the third-party corporation that does the moderation for TikTok has been showing the content moderators pictures of child abuse so that they can spot it when they're um, moderating the content. When they're moderating the content. And I find that to be a bit creepy. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll get my section going. I just realized that I introduced the show and totally forgot to introduce myself. I'm Historian Matt. You can't find me anywhere except on other Echoplex echoplex media shows and secret twitter handles that dave likes to post <laughs> in certain places <laughs> but uh, don't look for that I, i'm nowhere don't, don't worry about that anyways i i got some uh i got an update on monkeypox i'm gonna try and get through this pretty quickly there's not a whole lot of stuff the major thing on on monkeypox is the biden administration declares monkeypox a public health emergency and mostly that just opens up more resources for fighting monkeypox in the U.S. So it allows federal, state, and local officials to better coordinate and respond to the outbreak. And the CDC can mobilize more personnel, increase testing, increase access to treatments, pressure states to, to share more case data, and improve the awareness of the outbreak. So that's good news on fighting monkeypox. Unfortunately, it is spreading all over the country pretty quickly so keep an eye out so what we have updates on cases so as of a week ago i don't have a a recent number count but uh at least a week ago we had 6,617 cases in 48 states in the united states the united states is still the uh, has the largest number of cases after spain so spain has the highest and we have the second highest I think that's still true, uh, but it is spreading pretty quickly in the U.S. Uh, and just as a reminder, the virus spreads through very close or intimate contact. Contact. 
uh, prolonged face-to-face contact and skin-to-skin contact. And I got a little uh, uh, more specifics on transmission. So uh, the main route of transmission is contact with the lesions that are on the skin mostly that are caused by the virus. So if somebody has, it's probably going to be a bad thing. And I think already there's been some problems with uh, people uh, doing bad things on like TikTok and such with, with this information. But if somebody has lesions on their skin or elsewhere that are caused by the virus, they really need to quarantine until they all all heal up because that is how they uh, spread the most direct contact with those lesions cause uh, the most common cause of transmission. Uh, however, if one of these lesions ends up in your mouth or throat, the virus can become airborne. Now from my information on monkeypox, from what I heard from people who have had it, these lesions are extremely painful and I'd hate to have one in my mouth or throat. Uh, that would be very bad. Um, but, uh, um, definitely seek some medical treatment there, but, uh, keep your mouth shut. So we don't, <laughs> so the virus doesn't come airborne in that case as much as possible and quarantine and, and take all the recommendations from the CDC and federal government's, uh, health czar, or whoever is, is giving out information. Uh, finally, the virus can spread through contaminated material or services, but it doesn't seem to be very common. Uh, that's just very contaminated surfaces, particularly for material. They're talking about like bedding. If somebody was sleeping in a bed, uh, and they, you know, for extended period of time, then that could be very contaminated. You want to be careful with that sort of thing. Uh, any questions or comments on that quick update? No, just real quick. Remember at the beginning of COVID, people thought it was going to spread on surfaces and people were doing weird things like leaving their Amazon boxes outside for like a day before they bring them in or whatever. So I just yeah. kind of noticed that in in this and that it's not a main vector of spread. <clears throat> Seems like it's just uh, cuddles. It's mostly, yeah, it's mostly contact, direct con- contact. Um, and yeah, be careful about that. But it doesn't seem to be, I mean, it's spreading rather quickly i don't think it's spreading as fast as COVID 19 was in the beginning but it is spreading and there seems it doesn't seem to be very good at spreading uh and there's some things you can do to for you know precautions you can take to avoid it so uh do what you can there is a vaccine that exists for it it is we don't have enough of it yet but part of this emergency declaration should help with that as well but we're getting there Okay. Okay. I'm going to move on. So we're talking about another disease, a COVID, uh, COVID-19, but this is on the summer booster. So basically the federal government was going to expand the second boosters. Everybody should be, have, you know, the first two shots and then one booster after it. So three total shots. Uh, but there were, and then for people over 50, I think at the moment, they you're eligible to get a second booster and if you're 50 year older or you're a high risk individual meaning probably most likely you had uh either compromised immune system or 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 something wrong there um but the federal government has decided not to expand that program to 
the rest of the population basically because they want to wait until after summer for new vaccines that are going to be specifically target targeted towards the BA5 and BA4 um variants of COVID-19, which are the current variants that are spreading widely at the moment. The problem is these new vaccines will probably not be out until September. So there's going to be a gap of time where people are not going to be completely covered. Although if you have both initial vaccine shots and a booster, you're pretty well covered even of this new variant. You may still get it. It seems to be getting around the vaccine, but you're unlikely to be hospitalized or have a serious case. Most likely, not not 100%, but most likely. So this new vaccine is, they, they call it a bivalent booster. Uh, it, it will still contain some of the original strain of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, and but also um, target the BA4 and BA5 subvariants, as I, as I mentioned. Uh, the new um, version is not a hasn't been tested well, so it's it's unclear if the new bo booster will be significantly better at uh, preventing infection and disease. But um, since it's still containing the old version as well, and it just includes BA four and five. Uh, they think it will do better. It can't do worse or unlikely to do worse. <laughs> uh, but uh, except for, you know, leaving this gap until we can get it is the only like the major issue here. So the other problem they have is, or the other concern is currently the dominant strain is a BA5, but by September when the new vaccine is available, widely available, that may not be the dominant strain. And people are a little concerned about that. There's some other concerns, uh, issues about delaying and uh, for various groups of people, but um, I, those are the main ones that I want to cover. Any questions? Uh, so for the the dominant strain, and you said in September it might not be BA five anymore. Currently, it is BA five. Yeah. By September, they're they're not sure. I mean, there doesn't seem to be any new subvariant that's you know up and coming. Wouldn't it uh, but, be? Wouldn't it be at yeah. least more closely related to BA five than probably the current booster shot is? Yeah, because the current booster shot is still based on the original variant i guess you could say the original version of the the virus and apparently that one is not spreading at all anymore like it's it mm. we have enough vaccines and stuff to um cover it and and it's just not spreading anymore we have pretty good immunity to it and it's just these new versions that are spreading i don't think anybody on the panel is old enough to get the second booster so i think we're all we all have to wait for the the new one Okay, that's it. Moving on to my last topic, that scientists create nightmare fuel. Basically, uh, turns out that spiders use internal hydraulics to move their limbs, and some scientists got the bright idea to 
use this knowledge to reanimate a dead spider to use a sort of a robotic claw game from your nightmares. <laughs> and I think at the moment for those on YouTube, you can see a nice video of this occurring where they're using <laughs> one dead spider to pick up another dead spider. <laughs> those who are just, uh, who are just listening in the, the podcast, uh, count yourself lucky, I guess, because <laughs> it is quite creepy but these scientists are calling the uh this new field of study necrobotics necrobotics so <laughs> uh robotics from dead stuff i guess the original goal of this this test was basically to use these spiders to pick up small electronic parts that you know most robots have a hard time picking up and, and manipulating so they're like hey let's let's use a spider to do it instead the uh using a spider turns out to be quite simple as you basically just take a dead spider stick a needle in it to, in the right place and then glue it in place and that's it and you just uh, uh you can open and close the spider's legs by basically using air pressure the uh the spiders um hopefully pronouncing it correctly but prosoma is a uh, basically the hydraulic chamber that controls the legs of a spider and uh the in a live spider it the spider uses that persona to control the legs and there's valves to control each leg individual so the spider can move each leg individually but in a dead spider this uh the valves stop working so you end up using moving if you try to use this part of the spider the persona you move all of the legs at once turns out that was actually useful because since they're using it kind of as a uh, again as that like skill crane or, or robotic claw game um type type use <laughs> um and uh it seems to be working well and even if it looks extremely scary the uh the spider gripper is actually capable of lifting objects up to 1.3 times the weight of the spider and it has a peak gripping force of about 0.35 millinewtons so it's not very strong but it's you know intended for picking up and manipulating small things so uh, it seems to be working pretty well and, and finally the spider grip gripper lasted for about 1,000 open and closed cycles. I think they actually made a couple of the spider grippers to prove that they're, they could do it, but uh, it has a pretty good number of open and closed cycles. They think they can actually increase the uh, durability by, because they think the spider's body dried out and that's why it uh, stopped working. So they think they can add some stuff to keep it nice and moist and working for a longer period of time so we can have spiders in our nightmares for much longer. Any questions beside why the heck they did this? And well, I you told gotta, you, but you got to moisten your spider claws. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, I think they're, but I got nothing. Yeah, I think the, this is this is such an amazing story. It's just yeah. so fucking great. Uh, sorry, so tech and great. So tech and great. Yes, <laughs> it's got uh, like it was all actually of the 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 qualities of a wonderful story and like <laughs> the best quality is that it's actually really useful. Like you could make right. this little micro machine out of organic parts that when you're done with it, you just throw them away and it doesn't actually produce any waste. Right. Well, it doesn't produce any bad waste. It's all biodegradable. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, I think they were going to use like beeswax to to fix the problem with drying out. So even that's huh. biodegradable. Uh, but it'll yeah, help the spider, really cool. the dead spider, last longer. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a it none of your beeswax looking. joke in there somewhere, but I'm not going to tell it. Yeah. It's whack. <laughs> and that's all I got. So I guess all it's right. uh, to HK. So I'm going to take over and I've got one story this week. It's not really a news story. It's just something I want to talk about because not a lot of people know how exactly this works and not a lot of people are familiar with the second part of this story. Uh, first part is tracking cookies and the second part is tracking e-tags, which is short for entity tags. Uh, and then the third part is I'm going to tell you what you can do to help mitigate uh, this issue and help you stay private when you're browsing the internet. Uh, so a tracking cookie, for those of you who don't know, is a third-party cookie that is used to monitor your behavior and, and uh, browsing history across websites. So uh, the way cookies work, cookies are just a little piece of data that when you're on a website, like you, you are talking to that website's computer, and your browser will will ask for a website, like a web page from that computer. That computer will deliver a web page, and it can also deliver some cookies. And then when your browser asks for something else, like another web page or an image or a, a JavaScript file to, to make the web page do something, it will send back that, that same cookie that the server gave it uh, and that is extremely useful for, for things like session data. Uh, the, the server will know who you are because you're providing this cookie. So the server can send you like, here's a cookie that will tell me exactly who you are. Uh, then your browser provides that cookie back and the server knows exactly who you are. So what I just described is a first party cookie. When you're asking the, the server, like give me a website, and the server goes, here's a website, also here's a cookie. Um, there's also something called a third-party cookie. That's for if you are on, uh, say you're on like example.com as a website, uh, and example.com is showing you a, a web page, and it's also showing you a little image and that image is of a login button that came from Facebook or a, not a login, but a, you know, a like button, a little, uh, there's a cat on my lap, <laughs> uh, a little like button. Uh, and that came from Facebook. So when your browser asks Facebook's server for that like button, it will send to the, the server. Uh, it'll say, I need, that picture that that this web page told me to to put on the web page and by the way here's the web page please give me that that picture uh, then facebook server will send back the picture of the like button along with a cookie and that cookie doesn't belong to the website that you're looking at it belongs to that website run by facebook even though you're not looking at facebook you're looking at example.com it just so happens that example.com has a little like button that comes from Facebook. 
So now you have a website that may have its own first party cookies, but you have a third party cookie that came from Facebook. Now Facebook knows that you were on example.com. Now, if you go to, uh, let's say, uh, example.org, I don't know, just some other website, any other website, you go to, uh, worldwideindustries.co.uk. If they also have a like button from Facebook, your browser will send that third party cookie along with the request for that image. And now Facebook knows that you went from example.com to worldwideindustries.co.uk. So Facebook knows where you're going on the web. And that is what's known as a tracking cookie. A lot of people know what that is and they know that they're bad. Uh, bad in the sense that, you know, it, it, it's somewhat an invasion of your privacy and you want to avoid them. Uh, that's why you hear people talking about tracking cookies and that they're a bad thing, but not a lot of people know about e-tags and that e-tags can also be used to track you. So e-tags ostensibly were made as a cache invalidation strategy. Basically, uh, your, your browser, when it sends a request for something, uh, if it's never sent a request for that thing before, like that URL before, uh, it'll just request it and say, please give me that. And then the, the server will respond with the content of that URL, say the, the like button. And it'll re also respond with something called an E tag or an entity tag. And what it's telling to your browser is this thing that I just sent you, this exact byte for byte thing that I just sent you is represented by this little string. And if you send me that string of characters back in another request, I'll tell you whether it's changed. So your, your browser, when it requests that again, so say you, you get it once from going to example.com. Now you're at worldwideindustries.co.uk. Your browser will send that e-tag along with the request for that image. And if that image hasn't changed, like this was the goal, is if that image hasn't changed, your browser would just receive a what's called a 304 not modified response, which basically tells your browser, whatever you have in the cache that's represented by that string, that is the current byte for byte representation of what's at this URL. So you can use that from your cache. That's what it was meant to be. But these servers have co-opted the e-tag as a way to track users. So if I go to example.com and I get this Facebook like image, I'll get an e-tag along with it. And what a tracking e-tag does is I don't get an, the same e-tag that you get if you go. Every time a new person requests this URL, they get a different e-tag. And in the back end of the servers, it remembers, I gave you this e-tag, I gave you this e-tag, I gave you this e-tag. And the next time your browser requests that image or that whatever, it'll send that e-tag along with that request. And the, the server will say, oh, I see you're back. 
you were on example.com i can see in my records here now you're on worldwideindustries.co.uk i can tell because you just gave me that e-tag that i gave you so even if a browser blocks third-party cookies these uh these big businesses that track you online can still track you using e-tags so how would you protect yourself from this sort of level of tracking? In order to do that, you need to tell your browser to not use anything from a specific cache of things that it has, a, a browser cache, uh, for these individual requests. So one thing that I really like about Firefox is it has this concept built into uh, to tabs, different tabs. You can open in Firefox what's called a container tab. So you can have these different container tabs and have them have certain websites automatically open inside of these container tabs. And then you know for a fact that if you go to some other website and it's requesting something from like Facebook, it's not requesting it from your Facebook container tab. It's requesting it from something else. So when you're logged into Facebook in your Facebook container tab, it's a completely different cache, completely different set of cookies. You're not going to have that e-tag tracking system. So in Firefox, it's, it's built in with a feature called container tabs. In Chrome, it's a little bit more difficult. Uh, you can't do it per tab, but you can do it per window through a feature called people. Uh, in Chrome, you can, you can have multiple uh, what's called people, essentially the, the same idea as container tabs. Uh, each person that's, that you have set up in Google Chrome gets its own set of cache, gets its own set of cookies, uh, what's called a cookie jar, which is really cute. <laughs> uh, and you would just have separate windows. So what you can do is every time you're, you're visiting one of these big sites that's known to track people, sites like Google or Facebook or Amazon, these big sites, you can go to it in a specific container tab on Firefox or a specific person in Google Chrome. You just set up a bunch of people in Google Chrome labeled, you know, one for Facebook, one for uh, Google. Uh, although if you're using Google Chrome, Google already knows every site that you're going to. So <laughs> for that, it's, uh, it's a bit of a lost cause at that point. Uh, but any other Google Chrome based browser will likely have the same feature. Uh, so if you're using a browser like Vivaldi or Brave or Microsoft Edge, like all these browsers will likely have the same feature where you can, you can open it up in, uh, in a different profile. So that will, will help you help prevent these uh, big websites from at least, uh, if not tracking you, they at least won't be able to tie your tracking history to your identity like they would if you were logging in under that same set of, uh, of cached items and cookie jars. So yeah, uh, sorry that was a, a bit of a long-winded explanation, but hopefully that was helpful. Seems like a pretty good ex exclamation, explanation to me. Thank you.
Yeah, I just figure everybody's watching everything I fucking do, and I don't I don't do anything to mitigate any <laughs> of that stuff. I use Brave when I'm streaming, but it has nothing to do with being tracked. <laughs> yeah, um, as someone who you know, I'm a I'm specifically a a web developer, so I've been uh, like I understand these technologies fairly well. I'm not going to say perfectly, but uh, I have a pretty good knowledge of how these technologies work. So. Um, you know, I thought I might share my expertise in how to protect yourself from being tracked online. Because we've all had that experience where you'll you'll search for something online and then all of a sudden for like weeks you're just seeing ads for something tangentially related to that search. Or exactly the same, but you bought the first one that you found that you liked. And so for some reason it's decided that you're going to buy more even though you already have it. Yeah. yeah, that's that's been I've been buying a lot of stuff for the new studio and Facebook ads are like basically all of the things that people have bought for us or that I have already purchased. That's just yeah. all my Facebook ads. It's like, no, I don't need two of these. It's good. It's fine. So my only question for, for HK is, uh, do you think um, the, you know, servers and, and people are, you know, running these big corporations are they just going to find other ways of tracking you? Um, anything, anything that can be personally used, uh, used to personally identify your browser, they will look into. Um, yeah. so it's, it's basically a constant battle between, uh, the people who are fighting for privacy and these big companies. And it sucks that, uh, Google, one of these big companies who has a vested interest in tracking what you do online runs the browser who's uh like the the open source portion of that browser is the the most widely used uh base of a browser uh and what really sucks about it is firefox is a fantastic browser but it has been losing market share uh, and I'm, I'm worried that we're going to get to the point where it's a monopoly and you know, it will be right back in the days of Internet Explorer at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not for nothing. I mean, I have some problems with Firefox when I try to use certain things with it. And it, I think it's just because everybody's testing against the, um, the engine, the, the, the engine, the Chromium engine or whatever, you know? Yeah. That's called Blink. Yeah. Blink and V8 is the JavaScript engine. Yeah. And I think but it's yeah, just most people uh, are t doing most of their heavy testing against that because it's just market yep. share. And like, not you know it's not always the developer's fault either like in your case you're a small you know you're a one you're a one one dude shop as far as the web development for your project goes so if you're going to invest your time in making sure something's compatible there's no there's no real reason for you to spend as much time in firefox making sure it works as in something <laughs> like chrome there's just no if you're trying to like make money on your company and have have your stuff work for the most people there's no there's no advantage really there you know the funny thing, though, is if it works in Firefox, it is almost guaranteed to also work in Chrome. Uh, but if it works in Chrome, it doesn't necessarily work in Firefox because Chrome does some really weird things. Uh, some things that don't quite follow the spec or things that the, the spec is, um, is kind of not specific on and Chrome just chooses a way that no one else has chosen fair enough 
Well, so I do actually, uh, I do most of my work in Firefox, plus Firefox developer tools are better than Chrome's, Fair enough. period, flat out. Uh, so I do most of my work in, in Firefox, and it is funny, every once in a while I'll get someone saying like, hey, this doesn't work in, in Chrome, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, like 70% of users use literally Google Chrome. I think it's more than that now. I think it's like 80%. And then of the people that are left, left like 90% of them use something that's based on Blink. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because Mozilla, like just their history, uh, one of the first big companies to go open source and are just like beloved in the kinds of communities we like to spend our tech time in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I would be very sad if uh, if Firefox and or Mozilla went away. I'd be mad just because I love Thunderbird. Yep, Thunderbird is. I I heard about their new update. Uh, I decided not to talk about that this week because it doesn't really fit my software development stories. Uh, but uh, Thunderbird had a new update. Go check it out. It's really cool. Yeah, and if you're on Ubuntu and you're on an LTS, Fire uh, Thunderbird had a new update, and uh, hurry up and wait. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I guess it's my turn then. I just got two quick stories. Uh, we're going to continue this saga of Elon Musk. This one is uh, Debate Me Bro, because Elon, who has like, you know, court proceedings going on with Twitter, has decided that what he really wants is to debate the Twitter CEO about bots. And... <laughs> That's stupid, uh, primarily because not for nothing, Elon Musk, Tesla, and his Bitcoin, um, we'll, we'll call them forays into Bitcoin, have been boosted by bots, like just an unreasonable number of bots. I don't know if he's the one who has like purchased or enabled the botnets or if other people are doing it. I don't know you know, how it happened, but that, that Tesla stock, there's just so many bots tweeting about it all the time. And so it's just really odd that Elon Musk is mad about the bots. Maybe he thinks there's more of them on there than there are because he utilizes them so effectively. I don't I don't know what's uh, going on. But when you're I about when you're about to be involved in a litigation with a company, having like a public debate with the CEO of the company, if you're the like the one being sued, that seems like there's just no upside. Right? Like yeah. I'll I'll bring everybody back in to like maybe talk about this. Do you think there's an upside for him? wanting to debate the Twitter CEO while all this is going on? Or do you think the, the court is going to see this as another reason that they should be less lenient with Elon Musk when, when it comes to places where the court could show, show leniency, you know? I think he's just like super narcissistic and wants, you know, he's trying to use it to, you know, keep his profile up and, and name in the news and stuff. Uh, I think he has suddenly decided that, well, I don't, maybe not suddenly, but decided not that he doesn't want to actually buy Twitter. It probably has a lot to do with uh, his investments in crypto dropping ra radically and the the price of Tesla, the Tesla stock has also dropped considerably and he may not really have the money to buy it anymore at the inflated price that he uh, that he offered but i mean at the time the price was relatively reasonable because oh you know all stock prices were were high but they have since come down quite considerably and i think he's having uh, a lot of second thoughts and trying anything he can to get out of it 
Uh, buyer's remorse. Yes. Yep. He's doing irrational things because he has buyer's remorse. Yeah. That's that's right. Before all this, he never did anything irrational ever. <laughs> he never, sorry, he's doing perfectly consistent irrational things with his behavior before. <laughs> now, because he has buyer's remorse, who knew what it was before that? <laughs> yeah, no. I think I think um, I think for the most part, the the Tesla stock has bounced back, but it bounced back on the news that he wasn't buying Twitter. Right? It was not right. when it bounced back. I think, yeah. I think, I think that if I had to predict something here, I think he's going to get slapped with not just that billion walk away, but some portion of the, the 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 difference between his offer price and what Twitter's worth now. Because I bet I bet a lot of people, a lot of investors, once he said he was going to buy at that price, they were like, "Well, let's buy in at this current price," and so right. we're going to get we'll get that fifty four twenty when uh when it sells and you know that'll be a few years down the road or whatever because these things take time and so uh, maybe some maybe he pissed off some money maybe he pissed off some old money and uh so i i have a prediction that yeah he's gonna some a percentage of the vector between what the price is now and what the price he was gonna buy at is he's gonna be paying a multiple of that based basically for all the shares and then when that happens He's going to sell a bunch of Tesla stock probably to cover it all. And then Tesla stock's going to go down and then he's going to get fired from Tesla. <laughs> like I think the rest of the board's going Maybe. to can him. I, that's my prediction here. Um, and I, you know, this, my prediction is colored by the fact that I don't like him. I don't like that. He's abused his money and power to like basically afflict a few, basically powerless people. The time with that diver, where he sent all his millions of followers after him. We after he called him a fucking pedophile. Yeah. It was like, Oh, pedo guy. And then he got away with a defamation suit because he just claimed that was what you just call people like that. You're your friend in South Africa. I mean, come on. What? But yeah, it, it also defamation is hard to prove. Although when you're a powerful figure and you're doing it to just some random diver, I feel like it should be easier to prove. And my, yeah, my assessment of what happened there was, you know, oversimplified and stuff. But I just think that, I just think that this this court, I think it's up in Delaware. I, they want to do this quickly because that's why you incorporate in Delaware, I think, is because if you end up in a court proceeding, things move along. It's not like in California where it takes forever. So that's why all these companies are incorporated there. Same with Nevada. And I think that uh, I think that Elon's stunts are just going to make the, the uh, judge or panel of judges who are presiding over the he hearing inclined to be less and less um, lenient when it comes to dealing with the kind of mechanics of the case because the, the judges are just people and if you do things that piss them off you've done something that pissed them off yeah. so but we'll be we'll be keeping an eye on this um i eagerly await the meltdown i can't wait for the meltdown because <laughs> there's a meltdown incoming um maybe the media ones will cover it on meltdown monday anyway i got one more story and this one is not we'll say not great so content moderation is a big problem, and a lot of companies have farmed their content moderation out to uh, third parties. Um, some say because the third parties are experts at the content moderation, but I, I don't, I'm not buying that. I'm, I'm calling that passing the buck. I think they're doing a passing of yield, yieldy buck. And so TikTok has farmed out their content moderation to a company called, um, uh -oh, what's it called here? It's called Teleperformance. 
And um, unfortunately, as you'll see on this Forbes headline, when they deal with child abuse, this teleperformance has been showing the people working for teleperformance images of child abuse. And wow. um, I'm kind of not sure that that's useful or that somebody, anybody would have to have seen images, examples of child abuse to know what it is when they see it on a platform. I think that's such a, like it's a thing that we all agree is so bad and it creates a visceral reaction in us when we see it, that I'm fairly confident that we don't have to show people a bunch of examples of it for them to figure out what it is when they see it on TikTok, especially if someone else reported it as being such. And I just, I don't really know if I even have any commentary here. It's just fucking disgusting. And I know we're not supposed to swear on this show, but you know, I was, I'm always doing it and it's, it's gross. I can't, I, I, I couldn't imagine your first day at work during, during your training. And then all of a sudden they're showing you pictures of child abuse. Yeah. I want to know how bad. it's, how, how, how is it even legal that they store that? I thought the law was that you had to delete like they're moderating this shit. They're supposed to delete it. Right. Legally, they're supposed to delete it. Um, yeah, there's only, <clears throat> there was a great episode of, I think, um, I want to say this American life about this one company in the U S is allowed to catalog this stuff and they, they catalog it to like hash it so that then if the image shows up again, they can be checked against yeah, this hash okay. database. But that company that's, uh, that's catalog cataloging this stuff, for the purpose of helping stop the spread of these images on the line. Name of that company ain't teleperformance. So I'm wondering like, are they, you know, I read the, I read the article from Forbes and I read another article and it was unclear to me. Um, are they, what kind of child abuse are they? If it's, you know, if it's child sexual abuse, then yeah, that's you're you're, you're in big doo doo. If that's on your computer and you don't delete it as soon as you find out it's there. Um, yeah. What, what country is this uh, company based out of? Teleperformance is a United States company. It is United States. Uh, These are content I moderators know. for TikTok in the United States. Okay, because a lot of these like content moderator uh, companies, they they farm it out to someplace like you know in India or something. Because a part of it is just it's it's a lot of manual labor. They need stick, relatively tech skilled people, uh, but you know, it's a lot of manual labor that they just don't want to spend a, a whole lot of money on as well. Um, it's unusual that this would be actually be done, being done in the United States. It's uh, El Paso, Texas is where one of their offices is. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what to say. Yeah. I didn't expect <laughs> I just, there to be a lot of discussion about this because none of us are experts on this and like, but that's pretty, yeah. it's pretty, you know, even if they weren't breaking the law or whatever, it's still like, it's just, why are you, these people are going to be exposed to all kind of stuff anyway yeah. in there as they try to moderate things on any of these social media platforms. Why as their boss or whatever, why like open up by showing them like examples, stuff they might not have seen otherwise, even in their, the course of their content moderation, you know? Yeah. 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 I'm with you. This is, this seems unnecessary and, and wrong. Yeah, that content moderation is a, a really hard job, like mentally, you know, um, it's, I don't know what they're thinking anyways. I mean, and the other thing is, I mean, if you want people to quit, 
You know what I mean? If you don't want to even yeah. keep people past the first day, you just show them the most horrific, the, something that uh, our society has decided uh, just across the board, no matter who you are, that this is like a, these are horrible things to be doing. That yeah. These are, these are like just beyond, these are beyond regular crimes, right? right? There's a, there's a reason why, there's a reason why, um, there's a reason why in, you know, in prison, it's especially a dangerous place for child abusers because even a murderer is like, uh, uh-uh, I murdered an adult, you know, <laughs> they're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it's, it's, it's messed up. It's like really messed up, but you, it, yeah, that, that's sort of the okay, ethos yeah. or whatever. And so, yeah, I don't know what's going on. This is, this is one to keep an eye on. Um, I would be willing if it's, if it's child sexual abuse, whoever decided to keep these images on their servers, a broke just an un, an outrageous number of probably state and federal law. Yeah. Yeah. And especially like the only thing you should be doing with that, that material, if you're moderating it is send it to the police and then delete it. Right. Right. Or yeah. contact. If you're in a big organization, you contact your legal department immediately. Right. Well, if it's their job, like they're, yeah. they're going to be, they're going to know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, this, I don't know. You know, this is, I have a feeling this one's going to have a, a bit of legs and we're going to hear more about this going forward. Cause this isn't some small thing. And this, uh, this is, this is a four day old story and there's been other reporting on it, but the first, the original reporting seems to be from Forbes, which is really weird. Cause we're not really a Forbes kind of channel. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'd be interested to know what other clients teleperformance has yeah that that's that's a would be and, I, we could look at their website and stuff maybe people you know what if you're uh, watching this on youtube or if you're checking out the podcast uh, let us know if you what you know about teleperformance um and if they if this isn't maybe the first time they're they've come up in something kind of nasty yeah, do they have other uh, customers, or do they still have them now that they're uh, if if their customers know about what they're doing here? Yeah, like I said, these these, these they're going to see horrific images anyway in the course yeah. of their content moderation. There's no need to just show them images they might not have otherwise seen, you know, because each each one each time they see something like this has got to be just like oh. I don't know the things people do to pay their bills. I guess I, I don't know what the solution is here, but this story is big yikes. And um, I almost put it on the infra, I almost put it on the docket for uh, last night's show, but I couldn't find any good like good reporting on it, like in the video format. So I was like, well, yeah. I'll stick it on for uh, I'll stick it on for uh, how the tech are you? And um, I yeah, guess that's the show. We're ending on a kind of a somber note. I'm uh, reading yeah. this out pro, so I'll read out the show. Thanks everybody for listening to how the tech are you. It's a production of Echoplex Media. You can check us out live seven nights a week, twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. You can join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Echoplex. Uh, you get the full recordings of all of our podcast recording sessions. And uh, if we start doing some extras and stuff here, uh, as far as uh, how the tech are you, we'll put those up on Patreon before we release them to the rest of the world. Otherwise, go to echoplexmedia.com slash support to find other ways to support us. And if you don't want to give us any money because we're... I don't know, not worthy of your dollars. Just tell a friend about the show if you enjoy it. And um, that's it. Have a great week. I'm sorry about that last story.